Hello, everybody. Welcome to this installment of Social Security Talk. I'm your host, Mark Kiner, the guy in, in red. It's a beautiful day in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is the Friday before the Super Bowl. The Chiefs and the Eagles are playing. And, you know, I should be rooting for the Chiefs, but I'm going to root for the Eagles this time around. <laughs> but I'm really excited to have Lisa Rayberg on our, on this uh, episode of Social Security Talk. Every time I t- we teach a class on demand, a webinar or a live in-person class, I always talk about life insurance settlements. And Lisa, I always tell advisors that my discussion on life insurance settlements is only for the cutting edge and proactive advisors. If they are not one of them, then the advisor can take a little nap while I talk about life insurance settlements. It's a very, very much of a misunderstood opportunity, very much of a misunderstood strategy. I listen to the radio and TV all, all day long, Lisa, and I see commercials from Coventry Direct. I'm sure you do too, talking about life insurance uh, settlements. I know the one guy says, I never knew I can sell my life insurance policy. <laughs> and I do remember the commercials from Life House Life. I've heard, seen those commercials lately, but I'm sure they're still out there. Lisa is with Rayberg Life Insurance Settlements. She's been in in the industry, life insurance settlement industry for about seven years. But before that, Lisa, you told me that you were involved in the insurance industry. Am I correct? Yes, I've been working with insurance agents and uh, financial advisors for over 30 years. So I'm 28 in my head, Mark, but, you know, my license number blows it for me. <laughs> well, you know something? I'm 66 right now. In 72 hours, what's 24 times 3? 72, I'm going to guess. I'll be 67 on Monday, so I can't wait for that to happen. Awesome. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. I hope I'm still around at 67. You will. Anyway, Lisa, I'm always fascinated by the life insurance settlement industry. And that's because advisors have, you know, I'm not going to say they don't have any clue that it exists. But they're not proactive enough to start talking to their clients about life insurance policies. So let's talk, let's talk about maybe the, the backstory about life insurance settlements. Uh, how long have they been around and what types of uh, advisors should be on the lookout for these opportunities? Uh, so, Mark, thank you for that. I, I like to say that there's a lot of misperceptions about what life insurance settlements or life settlements for short, um, what they are and how they work, Right. Um, so to answer your first question, life settlements have been legal since 1911. That totally blows people's minds. Um, there was a Supreme Court decision called Grigsby versus Russell. And I love the backstory on Grigsby versus Russell because I'm an insurance geek, um, but probably not appropriate here. Anybody wants to know about it, I'd be happy to tell them about it. But Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, in his statement of decision, deemed a life insurance policy an asset that we own. You own yours, I own mine. We all own our policies, no matter what type of policy, including term. And because it's uh, it's an asset that we own, we can sell it. Now, fast forward to nothing happens until the mid-80s, and I think this is where people get confused. In the 80s, we had what's called viaticals. So a lot of people, a lot of Mm -hmm. advisors 
have this um, notion that they remember viaticals, but that was in the beginning, right? And so what's happening is AIDS patients at the time, remember, if I had AIDS in the mid-80s, my life expectancy was very short, right? Two to three years, possibly. So AIDS patients were selling their policies and, um, you know, getting cash and using it for experimental treatments around the world cruises or whatever. So the market started there, but... I live in the West, as you know, Mark. I love the West, but I don't love the Wild West. And back then, Wild West, no regulation. So I think some advisors have this misperception that that's what the market is today. Could not be further from the truth. We are a very highly regulated market by departments of insurance across the country. And here's the important part, too. Not only my side as the as a broker, but the buyer's side as well. And I think that's really important for people to know. Many consumer protections are now in place. I believe, Lisa, everybody needs to sign off on a life insurance settlement. The owner of the policy... Uh, the, the beneficiaries, beneficiaries of the policy. Absolutely. And, and, and there's one more party, right? You got the owner, you got the beneficiaries, you got the people the paying insured. the premium who may not be the owner, the, right. the insured. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Everybody Correct. signs off. So, everybody so there's no misunderstanding. Yeah. So there's no misunderstanding of what's going on. Absolutely so, none. And that's part of okay. the regulations and, and the um, audit process and, that's really important, Mark. We don't want anybody to not know what's going on. So, so what is a life insurance settlement then? And why, who should, why should somebody enter into one? What types of clients, what, type of, what are the questions advisors should ask clients? So let's kind of get into that a little bit. Yeah, so a life insurance settlement, I like to parallel it like selling a car. Like if, if you sell your car, you're getting a lump sum of cash, right? A car is an asset you own. You get a lump sum of cash, you sign the pink slip over to the new owner, and they drive away with the car. It's very similar. Clients will receive that lump sum of cash. They're going to sign over the pink slip, the change of ownership, to the buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, the buyer's going to yep. pay the premiums and become the beneficiary. So that process is called life settlement. Now, the answer to your question about who should be looking at these um, and the advisors, if the advisors are, are doing annual reviews, and they probably are, uh, the, you know, they talk about assets all the time. Asking about a life insurance policy is important. Is this life insurance policy still doing its job? And your answer to your question of who should be looking at this Anybody who typically, these are seniors, but doesn't have to be, um, but typically seniors, if they are looking to lapse their policy, if they're looking to surrender their policy, if the policy does not fit in their budget anymore, they should look at a life settlement before they lapse or surrender it. Because on average, a life settlement will generate three to five times cash surrender value. And if I have a moment, I'll just give an example. We're working with an advisor right now. Um, Client has a million dollar uh, life insurance policy and his cash value is 66,000. Well, we are getting him $200,000 in a life settlement. Last time I checked, being the finance major that I am, uh, 200 beats 66. You got it. Um, I think advisors, they're not asking these types of questions and not exploring the, the life insurance and the life insurance settlement opportunities with the clients are basically just basic, basically missing the boat. I mean, you can sell up. Uh, uh, I've always heard, Lisa, and to, uh, correct the figure if you can, but 85% of 
of universal life policies do not end up in a death claim being paid. Is that is that right? Eighty five percent. It's about right. Yeah, I've heard eighty eight, eighty nine, but it's right okay, around fair there. Fair enough. Yeah, and term policies. It's, let's just say it's huge. It's huge, and term policies are well into the high nineties. Um, and and you know I get it. That's why life insurance companies are in business. So totally understand. But I think the be- besides benefiting a client, right, and doing fiduciary, fulfilling fiduciary duty to clients, um, advisors do have uh, secondary bonuses, if you will, in that number one, if they're life insurance license, we can pay commissions. D- you know, depends upon the advisor uh, from a broker dealer perspective, but we can. It's there. The other thing is, there's now assets under management, so a client now has two hundred thousand dollars. They may need to have that money reinvested, or perhaps. Perhaps the client needs another product like an annuity. So there are benefits to mm-hmm. advisors. Once again, number one, fiduciary duty to clients, but they're all they're always business um, advantages to advisors as well. This can be another revenue stream for their um, for their practice. You made a comment earlier, Lisa, that most people, if they don't need their insurance policy anymore, they can't afford the premium. They will basically they that they feel like they have two options. Number one, they can just let it lapse, which means they kind of get zero for it, or they uh, they surrender it for cash surrender value. Mm-hmm. We well, which is a, a decent amount. However, though, or can be a decent amount. I don't know. However, though, through a life insurance settlement, you indicated it was a three to five or four to six times cash surrender value for by entering into a life insurance settlement, right? Yeah, that's exactly correct. And obviously, that's average. So it depends upon the client's situation. Sure. We have so, but yes. And so that's why I'm saying. Then back to what you were just saying. The stats have shown that 500,000 seniors a year will lapse their life insurance policies. That's a huge number. And even more important, several million a year, according to the life uh, life insurance uh, handbook, is. Um, will surrender their policies. So we're talking about a lot of seniors every year who are lapsing or surrendering their policies and they can benefit from a life settlement. Now, what I'm not saying, Mark, is all 2.5 million can sell their policies, right? Um, That's not true. But to give you some perspective, about 3,000 sold their policies last year. So we've got 2.5 million a year going to get rid of their policies in one way or the other, and we've got 3,000 that sold. So what I am saying is many more. Huge. Yes, wow. huge gap. Why divide? Why and, divide? And that's because, I guess, a couple of things going on. The, 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 the uh, policy owners don't know they have options. And more importantly, the advisors aren't asking the right questions. And they need to be. Definitely need to be. I agree. Uh, the Insurance Studies Institute what? did, I'm sorry, excuse me, did a study, this is about six or seven years ago now, but that's where the 500,000 statistic came in. But here's the other part of that study that's really fascinating. 90% of these same seniors who, in the survey, said had they known about a life settlement, they would have at least considered it. And that is what this is mm-hmm. about, just giving them options so they and their advisors can make the right decision for them and their family. What types of insurance policies are appropriate for a settlement? 
any type of policy can be sold. Now, once again, what I'm not saying is every policy we see can be sold. But what I am saying is there's no type of policy that can't, right? So group okay. policies, term policies surprise people. Our number one seller is universal life. I think that probably makes a lot of sense to people. But a very, I very, have very one. Close, yes, there you go. A very, very yeah, close. I'll be calling you term. sometime. <laughs> so so life, uh, I mean, uh, universal life, whole life, permanent life. And convertible term, right? Yep. Convertible. Term pol- yep. Term policies are our number two seller, like a really close number two behind universal life. Oh, is, okay. Yeah. Typically, yeah, you're right. You hear that in the you hear that in the Coventry Direct commercials that even if you have a term policy, you can still consider a life insurance settlement for that. Correct. So, ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent of the time, they need to be convertible, but not always. Two to three percent of the time, even non-convertible terms, we can sell. Okay, got it. Why should somebody reach out to your organization versus go directly to Coventry? That's a good question. So Coventry's good. Please don't. don't I'm not here no, to. That's okay. To they are good. They well, do a he, good job. You know, Lisa, Here's, let me say it's it's free advertising for the industry. You can't beat that. <laughs> I agree. Here's the reason yeah. why. Um, Coventry's a buyer direct. When you call a buyer direct, they are trying to obtain the asset, the policy, um, for as little as possible. And I don't blame you them, right? It. If we're trying to buy a car, we're trying to get as little as possible. But where we mm-hmm. come in the picture as brokers is we have access to many different buyers. Our fiduciary duty, and I intentionally use that word, our fiduciary duty is to the client to market their policy to uh, obtain the highest amount of money for it that we possibly can. In other words, we inject competition into the market and we uh, do. Right. And so we maximize value for clients. That's where we fit. You know, about four years ago, or maybe five, Covent, a representative from Coventry Direct called me. Didn't he didn't know who I was, because he you know, he he thought I was in the financial industry, whatever. He wanted, of course, he wanted he wanted me to go directly to him with opportunities for a life insurance settlement. And I said, well, you know, it seems to me that going to a broker would give me a higher value for my client's life insurance policies. And he said, no, that's not necessarily true. I know it is, but that's not what he, that's what he said. Uh, I just I know the value of the work we do. Um, to, full disclosure: we're paid commissions for our work. Yeah. But when you have a client getting two hundred thousand on that policy, I was telling you about the opening offer on that policy was seventy five thousand dollars, and that two hundred thousand mm-hmm. was after commissions. So you know the clients have no problem paying our commissions because they know the value of the work we provide for them. Not only do you get a commission, Lisa, but there's an opportunity for a commission share along the way. Absolutely. So So we've got commission share for advisors if they're life licensed, right? That's the key. Plus, like I said, additional assets under management and additional product sales for advisors as well. So tell me, Lisa, what policies would not be appropriate for life insurance settlement? Well, the policy type, once again, as we talked, Mark, doesn't necessarily matter, but it's more a situation of the client's particular situation. Uh, This is typically for the senior market. The buyers, thinking at it from their perspective, are looking for clients with 10 to 15 years 
sometimes 20 of life expectancy or less, right? So typically seniors, we do have clients in their 50s, but they have more significant health issues to fit in that life expectancy window. And this is also for policies about $100,000 or more. So those uh, final expense policies that are 15 or $20,000, this is just not a good solution for those clients because frankly, there's just not enough money there for them. And and there's no there are no restrictions, Lisa, on what you can use those proceeds for. Am I correct? Absolutely so true. Anytime you sell an asset, no. right? Car, a stock, mm-hmm. a house, you can do anything with the money you want. Same thing here. Right. So I'm I'm kind of thinking a good a good place for those funds might be to buy long term care insurance. Right. It might be to put into uh, uh, at the equity market. Maybe buy some bonds. Um, so, so you buy a nice annuity where you have some nice guaranteed income down the road. So basically, you you can re, it's basically I look at it as being a way to reallocate those assets. If if uh, if you've got two hundred thousand dollar cash uh, opportunity or five hundred thousand dollar opportunity, you can take that five hundred thousand and put it someplace else. That's exactly right. Because How about we, the tech? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because you're back to your point. This is an asset that the clients A don't know they have, but more importantly, they're going to get rid of it, right? We are like the last stop on on, on the bus stop there, um, on the bus route. We're the last stop, i.e. the client and their advisor have determined this policy is unwanted, unneeded, unaffordable, whatever. They're going to get rid of it. We're here to get them more money than just lapsing or surrendering. So back to your point, they are repurposing this asset, uh, which they can They do. are. How about taxation of, of, of uh, proceeds? How does that work? I'm going to caveat this by saying I'm not a tax advisor, right? Or a CPA. No problem. Um, and clients, but, but tax man is should, there someplace. That's right. And right. they should consult their own tax people. But here's the, here's the huh? yeah. uh, answer to your question. The, policy, the premiums the client has put into the policy from the start of the policy are a basis. Mm-hmm. So the settlement amount, the sale amount is underneath that basis, and many times it is, there should not be any tax on it. Over that basis, typically uh, long-term capital gains. So up to the basis, no tax over that long-term capital gains. There can be some select um, situations with universal life policies of cash values above the um, basis that could that, that little corridor mm-hmm. could be ordinary income, but that's typical life insurance taxation okay. anyway. And then long-term capital gains over. Got it. Okay. So, Lisa, how can advisors connect with you? How do, how does this process go? Let me ask you that. We're very much like a real estate transaction from a timing for a lot of different reasons. From a timing perspective, especially, we are three to five months to properly do the job. We have to get medical records. That's how the uh, buyers will evaluate life expectancy, and that can take a while. So, from the time we get mm-hmm. an application in, which is how it starts, no application fee. Um, to the time we hear from investors is probably a good 60 to 90 days. And if clients would like to move forward with an offer, that is probably another good four to six weeks. So three to five months start to finish. We're a, a longer term solution, not a short term solution. So you probably suggest after an advisor uh, meets with clients and they start talking about the life insurance policies and they identify uh, the policies or, or policy that maybe might fit a life insurance opportunity, that the advisor just will contact you, right? Give you a call, send you an email, and you can talk to the advisor, get some more facts, some more specifics and details, and give us some advice as to if this is an appropriate opportunity or not. 
Absolutely. Do it every so, day. We have clients yeah. call or email and say, hey, my client's situation looks like this. What do you think? And Lisa, how do folks reach out to you? Can you provide your uh, social media space, a phone number and email address? And Aaron will put that, type it in as we finalize our podcast for distribution. I am on LinkedIn, and my last name is R-E-H-B-U-R-G, for those of you that are listening and, and don't see the video. Um, our company is RaybergLifeSettlements.com. That's our company website, so R-E-H-B-U-R-G, LifeSettlements.com. Um, I am an old dinosaur in that my email is LRayberg at AOL. It's just easier, so <laughs> LRayberg at AOL.com. And our phone number is 714, area code 349 seven nine eight one repeating one last time seven one four three four nine seven nine eight one and obviously i'm on linkedin you see a dinosaur that's because you use a o a o l i yes because i've had it forever uh, and i and i thought least at rayburg life settlements is just way too long and confusing so i just kept l rayburg at aol is just easier i didn't know a o l still existed I surprise. Yeah, I've had it for I've had it for over 30 years and everybody's got it. So like, why change something that works? Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest to all the advisors and and other folks, too, you don't have to be an advisor to have a to have a a need to consider life insurance settlement is to, to look at your or your client's life insurance policies. Talk to your clients about those policies Find out if those policies are needed anymore, if your clients can afford those premiums, if there's an, another place to park those to park that asset besides in the life insurance policy, and then give Lisa a call uh, to talk to her about the, the opportunity uh, to enter into life insurance policy uh, for your for either your specific client or if you're an individual out there with life insurance policy, you want to talk to Lisa to see if your policy is one that she she could work with definitely. Um, Lisa, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. I, I'm going to continue to talk about life insurance settlements. I think this, it's just too, too much of an opportunity. It just kind of not, it just goes by the wayside because advisors don't take the time to talk to their clients about it. You find that all the time. I'm, I'm certain. I do. And like I said before, at the start of this uh, session, that uh, there's a lot of misperceptions about it. So I'm hoping, Mark, thank you for the opportunity to be here. So I'm hoping through, uh, you know, this podcast that it can reach people to understand that this is a real deal and it can it, it can be a very uh, good benefit to clients. I agree 1000%. Why, 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 why let your policy lapse? Why surrender it for cash surrender value? Life insurance settlement is definitely out there. Like you said, 85 to 9% of policies do not end up in a death claim being paid. That is just amazing. And I can't comprehend that high, such a high percentage. Thank you, Lisa. Any final comments you'd like to make? Just the fact that, once again, I'm so grateful to be here, Mark. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And we're here to be of service, and it is a privilege to be of service to advisors and their clients. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate you being here, and I, I definitely will get you back on another Social Security pod, uh, Talk podcast, along with being on one of our uh hour-long webinars for the, advi the 5,000 advisors that we've educated across the country 
since 2013. <laughs> so anyway, this is Mark Kiner saying over and out, and we will be back with you when we record our next Social Security Talk podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye, Lisa. Thank you again. Bye. Thank you.